Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined again by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And uh, I say again because we may or may not have taped multiple apps this morning. But uh, wow. boys, far from being sick of, uh, of this and of you guys, uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, three more things. Wait, was that even an more option? We things. can be sick of each other? Like, I no, know. that's never an option. Okay, I mean, you brought it up, so I didn't okay. know if that was a thing that you were you were struggling with. Is that a thing you need to confess? I'm not struggling. No, okay. I'm not struggling. Oh, okay, I'm I'm super confused for a second there. I was I also to my feeling insecure. I about it for like an hour and a half last night. But, okay. uh, but no, I'm fine. I'm over it. Um, <laughs> boys, we, uh, we, we have... <laughs> We have a lot on our plate to talk about, and uh, let's get right into it because we don't have to. We're not encumbered by uh, by business this week, so uh, we are in a little bit of a sponsorship lull, and uh, and that's okay because we're gonna we're gonna use that time. We're gonna redeem it, and we're gonna make it redemptive. And that begs the question: Pipe, uh, in the world of Christian entertainment, specifically Christian movies, uh, this word redemptive gets bandied about a lot. Yes. And uh, I hear it a lot. I, uh, I teach at a Christian college. We are launching a film program. And I think anytime you launch a film program at a Christian college, there's this awkward moment of, uh, are we going to do crap, right? <laughs> like, are we going to do crummy, like low budget, quote unquote, you know, Christian movies that are heavy handed? And I feel like this word redemptive is loaded. I feel like it has connotations uh, of so- sort of morality tales or whatever. But uh, I want you to suss this out for us, man. Why are you tweaked about the word re- uh, redemptive? Well, I feel like at, at one point it was really – it was used really well. And uh, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think for people, our listeners will understand this. It fo- It is following the same pattern as the word gospel. Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. decades ago it had a meaning and then it lost that meaning and kind of was – it just sort of fell away. And then it was reintroduced by thoughtful, careful people who were trying to, to – reveal aspects of film that people had overlooked you know it's because there was sort of the divide between you know christian films or good films and bad films along just moral content lines and so people are trying to draw out redemptive themes but now it's been co-opted and is now just sort of slapped on anything and it's sort of regaining that or it's sort of gaining that meaningless status again i think yeah which bugs me because when it was used well it was a really helpful thing to help explain why it is that you can watch dark movies or violent movies or movies with content that maybe isn't, you know, we wouldn't look at and go, oh yes, that's, that's uh, morally acceptable, but there are redemptive themes to it or aspects and things like that. And so it's, it no longer means anything, which, so how do we, how do we now point people to those movies? And this, what tweaked me recently was I, you know, I wrote a piece a few weeks ago on La La Land and Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a more sort of moral tale than the other, but they're they're both kind of amoral in a lot of ways, but such deep themes of truth in them. And I'm like, how do you express this without using the word redemptive? Because people are going to take redemptive as a defense of the film. It's now a moral defense. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not what it means. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I guess the question that I would have is, what do we use instead of redemptive or what does redemptive actually mean so that when people use it, it's not just saying two moral thumbs up to this film. Mm-hmm. 
Big R, what do you think, man? You're in the world of entertainment. What uh, what do you say about this? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, and by that, I mean you're a pastor. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Well, that is, that is a world of entertainment. Every single week. You have to bring it every it's, week, Ronnie. You know what? Absolutely. It's true, actually. It's true. Um, this is the thing, man. I think what happens is is that we get we get really upset by terms. And I think what that shows me is that instead of in the past when we would just show people what we meant by writing about what the, the, the term actually means, we just use the term almost in a lazy way, assuming people know what it means. And it's always good like when people start getting upset about like words like gospel and redempt or whatever it is, because all it means is that we don't want to ditch the word as much as that. Instead of just using the word as a blanket statement, we just have to explain what it means. And I think it actually allows the content to go deeper. Um, and so it's a, it's a good opportunity, right? So, instead, so I think in your, I read your piece pipe. It was good. I'm, I'm not just, you know, I'm not just, you know, patting you on the back right now, but it was, it was a good piece. And I think you explained what you meant by the word redemptive without just dropping the word and having, having the piece itself actually lose the depth of, of what it would have been if you hadn't done that. So I, it's a good opportunity. Let's explain the terms. Let's define our terms, man. Let's well, define I, the relationship, you know? <laughs> yeah. Have you a, know what? Have, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go in a completely different direction than that. And, and my thing is, is this having just tried to make a movie and, you know, Lord willing, having made a decent independent film, it's so hard just to make a movie at all. And it's even like doubly hard to make a movie that's any good. Um, and I think just, just do that, you know, and, and, and pipe, I think that's what you were appreciating about these films that you wrote about was the fact that they were really, really well-told stories Mm -hmm. about aspects of life that are somewhat universal and relatable. Right. And I think the best, the best movies are that such that, you know, as a Christian, as a thinker, as a sentient being, um, we can we can watch those stories and we can go, you know, what do we think of this in light of what we know about Christ? And, yeah, and but you know, to me, that, those are the those are the best Christian movies. That piece that you just described is what's missing. Is people do not want to think they wanted to be they want to be handed sort of a a blanket mm. recommendation. So I just I listened to an interview recently with a lady named Alyssa Wilkinson. She's a film reviewer, worked for Christianity Today, now works for. Uh, I can't remember a, a a a not Christian website, but she she's a she's a Christian yeah. reviewer of film, and so she has she reviews films very thoughtfully and um and said I'm trying to remember what movie it was I think it was a Martin Scorsese film or something like that, <clears throat> and she basically said it's really good in mm-hmm. in that film critic way, and people like took their kids to it based on that, and oh boy, and I yeah. just you know and I and I read and I. And like that's what happens when we say a movie has redemptive themes. People are like, "Oh, it's a great movie." Well, mm-hmm. you can have redemptive themes and be and have a whole lot of terrible things in it because sometimes those are the things sure. that show, you know, the truth. And people that's just right. need to be thoughtful and do their own homework. And I'm, I, I tell you, I'm so sick of needing to give ca- like the caveats on movies. It gets mm-hmm. a great movie, but mm-hmm. but the language. The language is right. a little much, or you know, there's some scenes that you know you might not want, you know, you might not want to 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 look at. I just feel like, well, why, why don't people just go figure out what they can watch for themselves? I'm going to tell them why I liked it and let them figure out. The you rest. should title every film article. There's some scenes. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> there's some scenes. Yeah, there's some scenes. There's colon some scenes. the title of the movie. 
I mean, but isn't there a way to find, I mean, it, it's like if we're just, if you're just reading a film review, you know, I mean, they have all that information listed. If you just even like attempt to go like an inch deep into finding out more details about the film in and of itself, yeah, like what kind sure. of language is in it, what kind of scenes are in it. I mean, like a, a, to me, like a good, a good film review is just talking about the content. It doesn't have to get in. It doesn't have to become like a, uh, you know, warning, warning yeah, it's, it's, sign it's, uh, all the way through it's that. It's sto- you know? story and artfulness. You know, did, did the movie accomplish what it set out to do? That's sort of right. what movie reviews should do. Now, the question of do you want to watch what the movie set out to do is something for, you know, parents to determine for their kids or grownups to determine for themselves. And I think we slap re- we have started slapping redemptive on things as almost like a, a parent approved or something like that. And that to me, it cheapens the word. Like you said, Ronnie, like it, mm-hmm. it needs the explanation of what does this mean? Because I wouldn't recommend Manchester by the Sea to any family. It is a dark, right. depressing, profane movie. And it's you probably incredible. wouldn't do that with Silence either by Scorsese. So, I haven't you know, seen it. That one, <laughs> that one didn't. That one, that one didn't sort of draw me in. But yeah, it's again, it's it. Mm-hmm. Movies can be so profound, and you go, yeah, you don't take your kids to that. Not, not a great boys. Idea. Let me, let me run a theory by you, and and this is a theory that sort of informs my film watching, and I think at some level informs my film making. I think for a film to be interesting and watchable. Um, it sort of has to be equal parts, 50-50, total depravity of man and a reflection of the fact that we're created in God's image. And I think when we when we skew that balance too far in either direction, um, it, it just becomes a really hard movie to watch. So you, you talk about like early Tarantino. Some of those films are really tough to watch because mm-hmm. they were they were kind of off the charts, total depravity. Like all you saw was darkness. All you saw was you know, the, the, the deepest, darkest, most ugly parts of what it means to be a human being. Yes. Um, conversely, when you're spoon fed some, you know, morality tale, that's all kind of ice cream and puppy dogs, then, um, you're off the charts in the other direction and it becomes just this treacly sort of saccharine mess that you don't want to watch. Um, so I think a film has to, it has to kind of strike right in the middle and the, in the kind of films that you, uh, like to watch and like to write about pipe and the kind of films that we've enjoyed together over the years, big R, I think are, you know, they, they hit that balance pretty well. Yeah. I think you just described like a good film, right. When it, when it's sort of at least moderately like covers the basis. And again, it's, it, you know, again, we're getting in subjective territory here, right. Because people like to see different things. People have different mm-hmm. desires and tastes and, and, uh, yeah, but know, some people's tastes and- are terrible. Can we just like, we, we don't need to, we don't <laughs> need true. to validate all tastes. <laughs> no that's true but i mean but you know for you guys like so for you guys you know it's it's different like you guys are in a place where you guys got young kids and you're taking them to movies of which you don't have to have an enormous amount of taste it's just mm-hmm. more function than than that's form right. you know yeah. like man yeah, we're gonna go out true. we're gonna do some popcorn and and some mm-hmm. milk duds and we're gonna enjoy the film and then mm-hmm. um and then you know and then but but that's that's different than being able to say well you know this is something that's going to uh improve my perspective on things it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to deepen me a little bit and i think that's mm-hmm. what we i think that's what we enjoy that's what we're looking for in a film yeah. or any or a book or mu- anything you know that that anything that you know sort of enters into the arena of art you know mm-hmm. indeed boys i want to talk about something that that doesn't enter into the arena of art <laughs> and doesn't even that's necessarily good. enter into the arena of anything that I want to look at. But <laughs> Big R, you you brought this to our attention. Um, you texted in again in our pre-show production meetings, which are extensive. 
you shared a photo of Charles Spurgeon. And what was interesting about this Spurgeon photo is that it was a beardless Spurgeon. So short of like the, the big meaty, like ham head <laughs> with the huge beard and like the cigar jammed in the mouth that you usually see of Spurgeon, it was, a, it was a hairless, like unbearded Spurgeon. And, and I have to tell you, and, and Pipe and, and Big R, you guys can riff on this a little bit. It was, it was disconcerting. <laughs> and I want to talk about what Spurgeon's career would have been like had he remained beardless, because I think it would have been a completely different situation. He wouldn't have gotten the respect and he wouldn't have had the gravitas um, that we think of when we think of Spurgeon had he remained that way. So, Pipe, I want you to talk about what you saw in that picture and how it made you feel. Well, <laughs> you used the phrase big, meaty ham head. Um, uh-huh. and, and that's that's pretty uh it's pretty accurate just minus the beard mm-hmm. <clears throat> he a lot of flesh there just a lot of flesh also also know? the song um dude looks like a lady comes to mind he uh mm-hmm. he has he mm-hmm. has he has a sort of a <laughs> a school marm look to him um yeah and just i mean i'm pretty sure that so the picture has three different faces we'll we'll post this to to the happy rant uh facebook page and twitter account so you can all listeners can all see just the wonder that is beardless Spurgeon, but yeah, he, he has just sort of a, a school marm look to him. He looks like the cranky aunt who like would lock the cousins in the, in the cellar or something. I mean, just is it's rough. He looks rough, mm. scary. Mm. And I, yeah, hard to call this guy, the Prince of preachers. Big R you found the picture. Clearly you were, uh, you were it was actually Piper. It? Piper posted it first. I just, oh, it was Piper. I was, it was yeah, Piper. I was riffing off of uh, Piper's discovery. Oh, interesting. Now, but, what um, are your thoughts on it, Big R? Well, yeah, you know, it just it, it's so funny, right? Because um, we are so like we're people. It just shows how much how much like image comes into perception, right? And I think, um, man, you look at you know you look at Spurgeon, and everybody just thinks of you know this big manly dude with the beard, and just you know he commands all this presence. And then you you get a shot of him without his beard, you know, and he's looking like the Michelin man, you know, and you're like, you're just kind of, you know, he's looking like Pillsbury Doughboy, right? And you're going like, mm. wait a minute, man, I, you know, I'm looking at my, you know, lectures from Spurgeon on my shelf right now thinking, man, do I open that now? Or yeah. like, do I take this guy serious? You know, it's so funny how that like with subconsciously even that sort of enters into your brain and you're yeah. thinking like, oh, this is the guy that everybody's just like the greatest preacher, you know, of all time. And like, he doesn't look like greatest preacher of all time until he has his beard. And then, you know, now he ha- he carries the presence, you know, and Dude, has the image of a I, guy I like it, that. But it's funny how psychological that is for us. I, I think it, it also, it, you know, there's been sort of this movement in the reformed world that like beards are super manly and, you know, it's sort of this, it, people with beards like to mock those of us who don't grow beards. And, uh, and I look at this and I go, yeah, but what are you hiding? Like what's underneath that beard? You, 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 you know, you come out here all manly and tough, but it's a little bit. So Ted and I were talking about in the last episode, how, when we played football, we wore neck rolls to, to look 20 pounds heavier, look tougher. I think the beard is sort of the neck roll, uh, for pastors. You're just trying to look more more of something and you're hiding something and those of us who don't have to grow beards can probably feel a greater it's like we don't have to feel anything when you mock us we're just like all right well why don't you take your costume off 
That's dude. The that, beard is kind the of... neck roll for pastors. That's literally the most insightful thing I think I've ever heard. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I really to me. appreciate that. That's helpful. That's super helpful. And I feel like, you know, Justin Taylor is going to hear that and he's going to wish he wrote it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the greatest defense from a guy who can't grow a beard that I've ever heard for not growing a beard. I mean, that was Piper. That was, yeah. But I mean, if know, I could clap right now, I would. You can clap. I, I mean, clap. it doesn't come through real well in audio. It's kind of pops and crackles a little bit. Dude, we're going to look I'm, back I'm down on with this that. beard thing in about 10 years and we're going to feel so ridiculous about it. You know what I mean? It's sort of oh like, yeah, you know, especially you mean like the well, I mean given like the style and the shape of some of these dudes that have just gone like literally bonkers with it. Yeah, there's no yeah. doubt about well, it. You know, it's it's like looking at pictures of your parents like from the 70s. You know, and yeah, you, sure. you look at what they looked like and what they were wearing, and and, and you sort of snickered. That's what we're gonna do in 10 yeah. years when we look at this beard phase that we're in. It's gonna be like us looking back at pictures of people from like the Civil War era. It's essentially the same. <laughs> well, thing. that's what that, yeah. That's like exactly looking what at pictures like. of Abraham yeah. Lincoln and going, "Well, that was interesting, but yeah, I don't know." Oh, look, everybody looks like that now. Wow, the first hipster, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. What's, right. what's funny is that at, when I posted this picture, Christian George, who's a Spurgeon scholar uh, and also has a good sense of humor, so he's not. Uh, He's not a. He he laughed at it, and then he he posted a link to a blog that he actually put up back in October called "How Spurgeon's Beard Launched His Ministry." So I didn't know wow. this existed, but, but yeah, it's like an eight hundred word blog post, sort of giving a little bit of a bio and how he went from sort of a, a a scorned teenager who all the other the pastors in the area made fun of him for being sort of young and dumb, <laughs> even though he was pretty bright, uh, and and how then growing a beard like in his twenties was the thing that turned him into a uh, somebody who was respected which is really funny wow and kind of pathetic yeah not yeah, spurgeon commands a little it's just a beard is like you know i still think of a beard as like something my dad would have done even though he was never a beard guy but it does it, it commands kind of this sort of older wisdom you know respect thing i i don't i don't know why it's too bad for the dudes that have had beards their whole lives, you know, regardless <laughs> of the fact that it's become a trendy thing. Right. You know they couldn't I mean? capitalize on the excitement of the whole thing. Right. They're you just know? like, no, I've just had a beard forever because I'm Always just not that it. handsome and I, I need a beard. I just wanted to it's cover just... two thirds of my face. Exactly. You know? I just, you know, that's, yeah. Oh, Crazy. Judas. Boys, we got time for one more little uh, brief item here. This uh, was oh, a, yeah. a Twitter exchange having to do with uh, fame with celebrity pastors. And big R always set this up for us. Yeah, yeah no, I just saw this. Attention. Why don't you? Yeah, this, uh, this didn't. Uh, this what yeah. didn't it wasn't included in our. Um, what did we do? Four or five hours of show prep this morning. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this wasn't included in that. But uh, yeah, I just my wife showed me a little a little tweet exchange between Timmy K, Tim Keller, Timmy. and uh, this guy that wrote all angry saying, I'm so over celebrity, celebrity pastors who, you know, they tweet out their, their, you know, their 140 character words of wisdom. And then everybody starts responding and then they never respond to the comment. And, and mm. the guy said, I'm so over it. I'm just going to go back to talking to my own pastor. And then Tim Keller actually responds to him and says, good idea. So oh, it was Timmy. Yes. Scathing. So TK, TK comes in for the knockout punch on that one. And um, I just thought, oh, my gosh, like that is so funny. I love it. I love it. But, you know, OK, so you get a guy like TK or, or you know, or even uh, or, or even even pipes pop, you know, and you just go if these guys spent their day responding to the comments like that would literally be the full time job that that they have which is just responding to comments after they tweet well, I, something. I just was talking to my dad and, on the phone last night, and we were talking about internet criticism for a variety of reasons. And and he said, mm-hmm. if I take one glance 
at my Twitter mentions, it will ruin the next hour. It mm. just, it, yeah. I mean, just, I believe it. I mean, both because of the heat that people throw and some of them are super scathing and really just kind of subhumanly yeah. awful. Vicious. But then, and yeah. then also, but like it, it could also just be the time suck of if I started replying to the people who said nice things. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, that's uh, true. It, yeah, it's it's insane. It, and so when people, if you look at somebody and they have you know like six hundred thousand Twitter followers, don't ever expect them to reply to you. That's that's yeah. nonsense. But that that response it's by ludicrous. Keller was so funny. Yeah, that's when that's when a response is necessary and and needed. And yeah, it was great. Let me ask one hard-hitting question of you, Big R, man of the cloth, before we, uh, before we wrap here and we have to wrap yeah, soon. Um, do, you, do you consider yourself a celebrity pastor? And do you respond to, uh, to things on, on Twitter from people? Guys, I think it's a well-known, um, I think it's a well-known item here that, that the three of us are celebrities. But we are <laughs> – yeah, no we are we are D-list celebrities, so I mean we are. There are layers to uh, to to the in in the world of celebrities, and we're on the D-list. I, I think Piper at one point said C minus, and I brought us back down to D. Maybe Piper is a C minus. But, you're, but, I don't you're, know. but here's the thing: you're back in world traveling mode, which means that I think the star is rising. I think we can get to a solid C minus C by the end of the spring. Or well, but maybe can. by the end you can. Maybe by the end of the spring, summer. Maybe I'll be up there. You know, maybe I'll be a C-lister. I mean, certainly we're not up there with B-listers like Jared C. Wilson, who, you know, of course, you know, would never want to do like a podcast with with at Ronnie J. Martin or anything like that. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't I consider myself on, on the D-list, hoping to get to the C-list, hoping that by the time I get to the C-list, uh, you boys will be able to join me because I don't want to be anywhere that you're not. And you know why that is? Because hashtag I'm with us. Mm, there it is baby you're pushing for that jared c wilson podcast though that's the second mention this morning you know i just be kind of thought, for you well it was just fascinating one? because i saw jared c wilson did something like a while ago where he said dude i would love to do a podcast but i don't know how to like do technology and i thought i wonder who jared c wilson would do a podcast with and then it just dawned on me technology that, the guy tweets like yeah yeah i know it's, it's baffling but, but i thought you know, jared, Super Bowl. But I thought Jared C would never, as a B-lister, he would never, like, he would never go to a C or a D. Like, he would have to do an A-list. He would go to an A-list guy for a for a podcast. I just thought that would be that would that would be a Jared C move. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, he can do what he wants. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, that wasn't I, the question. Yeah. The, the other question. I don't is, care can, what he does. The other question that's what I think is, I don't think of him. Can Can the podcast <laughs> get gospel in the title? I think that's really the other criteria. Is that you know? Can you yeah. can you get gospel in the title? And yeah, I don't I don't know who he would who he would uh, who he would do a podcast with. Although I do think that by the fact that I brought up Christian George earlier, I think we we are we're we're building some goodwill here because those two are thick as thieves. So there you go. Mm, there it is. Uh, I think I think the we, gospel the gospel cast with Jared C. Wilson. We're building your cred, Ronnie. You you might yeah the the, <laughs> the gospel Spurgeon beard cast with Jared C. Wilson and Ronald J. Martin. Wow. It, what about Timothy George? What about Timothy Keller? Timothy mm. George or Christian George? Oh, is it is it Christian George? Christian is Timothy. There's all kinds son. of Georges. Yeah, Which so one's the Georges. kid? Christian George Christian Bush? is the son. Okay, okay, so we got a podcast now with Christian jo- George Bush, Jared C. Wilson, Timothy George, Ronnie Christian George, Timothy Keller. And and Stephen, obviously Stephen Altrogi. Right. For six weeks. <laughs> Strokes. Yeah. 
So yeah, so Gospel Cast. I'm confused, but we're gonna. So guys, listeners, just just be looking for that. That's gonna be launching in the next you know, couple of years. If it seems confusing, it won't be when it works itself out. I mean, that's we can guarantee that. Well, it, it'll it'll find it. It'll find just its waiting place. on tropes. Yep. Right. Just waiting on tropes to put this together. Boys, this has been uh, this has been illuminating. It's been uh, it's been interesting and it's been fun. I hope uh, I hope you both have had a good time. This has redeemed the, uh, the the monsoon experience that I had running into the building this morning. So it's redeemed a lot. I think we should change this go. to uh, the the redemptive rant. Mm. Yeah, mm. well, go exactly. go pull a John Ham, sip some scotch, pull a crisp white dress shirt out of your desk drawer, pull the suit off you know of the it. back of your office door. Uh, you'll be you'll be good to go in no time. Slick that hair back and off you go. Already done it, baby. Already done it. Right. And uh, I'm ready to inspire these students. I'm going to walk around on some tables like Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society and uh, shout it's oh, be a captain, my thing. captain at random times. All the time. Big key, that's just a given. We we literally when we think of you, we don't think of you in any other light but that light. I want you to think of me in those terms. I really do. do. I mean I've never I've never not thought of you in those terms. I've never not thought of you as Robin Williams stepping on the desk. Baby, that's a beautiful thing. And you know what? I'm gonna leave the audience with that because that's how I want them to think of me as well. Uh we have wandered to and fro until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. Resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. God's Word will change our life. But sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.